Well, there are more miracles happening than you're aware of. And what we'll do is, uh, you know, um, next week I've asked Pastor Cindy is chomping at the bit. She said, give me a turn. Give me a turn. I want to sh- say what happened and what happened in my life. I said, okay, you speak next week. Tell us all about what happened and how God touched you and different things like that. So let's come out for that. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, I want to get, uh, as we get beyond this impartation, um, I want to start talking about signs and wonders that have started to occur in our church. And I'm not going to tell you about it. Now, second year Bible school, you already saw and you already know but that's going to be the gateway we're going to start with. So we'll, we'll hold off until then. We've got an amazing testimony when we do the signs and wonders uh, uh, sermon. Okay, are we ready? All right, all by way of introduction. So part two of impartation. Let me just re- quickly refresh you what I said. Uh, impartation is the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you in a new way. Something you haven't experienced before. A new way. And the presence of God is the glory of God and brings the power of God. Remember the water and the wet? You can't have the glory without the power. You can't have God's presence without His power. Actually, they're synonymous terms. If I would say God's presence, God's glory, and God's power, I could use them interchangeably as synonymous terms. Now, remember this. Um, When Pastor Lindsay was praying this morning, uh, she prayed, and then I'm not sure at the end was a prophetic word that she was giving, But she spoke the scripture out that says we go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, okay? We're being changed from glory to glory. You know what that means? There's a higher level of glory that you can get to than where you are right now. So when they sink that in a minute, you know, because the presence of God came so thick and tangible, we go, oh yeah, we, we got His glory, That's it. No, no, you're about ankle deep now. You're about ankle deep. There's more of God. There's more of His power, and there's more of His glory. And He is busy working in you and on you doing transformation for you to reach that higher level. Amen? So please understand that. Now, there could have been a single impartation that came to you uh, to minister to you, um, and or there can be a permanent impartation which will transform you as it rests upon you so that you can minister to others. It's an impartation for ministry. All right, and I gave you at least seven ways for impartation that it can occur. And I say at least because I'm sure that by next week God will show me more. By association, by the person speaking it over you, or in prayer or prophecy the person speaking to you, or by touch, whether the person touches you, lays hands upon you, Or you touch them or their clothes. Number four, by the anointing with oil. Number five, Jesus breathed on the apostles. It's a unique situation. Sovereignly. Sovereignly it can happen where God just intervenes and does it. And then number seven, a combination of some of these things, which is probably the most common way that it happens. So let me just pick on on one, the impartation uh, that occurs by association. It's the first one we've got listed here. Um, Joshua received an impartation of an anointing from Moses. He was with Moses a long time, but I want to show you how he stepped into this. Are you ready? He lingered in the tent after Moses left. In Exodus 33 and verse 8, we read that whenever Moses went into the tent, a cloud would come down at the front door of the tent, 
everybody in there, wherever they are, were in their tents, they would come out and they would watch and they would see this cloud, which is God's presence, come down at the front of the tent, and then they would bow down. They would get on their face before God, which is a common thing to do when you feel or sense or see the presence of God. Moses would then go inside the tent, God would speak to him face to face, and then he would leave. Let's pick it up in verse 11 of Exodus 33 and verse 8. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses returned to the camp, but, if we say but, but, look what happens. The young man, he was a young man who assisted him. Everybody say assisted him. assisted him. He was serving Moses. He was assisting Moses in what Moses had to do. His name was Joshua, and you know that name is Jesus. Joshua, that's the name of Jesus. He was assisted. He's the son of none. He would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He was not in the tent when Moses spoke with God face to face. He stood outside by the cloud and you could hear what was going in, going on in the tent. No matter how long Moses was there talking with God, he was there. And then when Moses left, he said, I want some of this. I'm going to go in. I'm going to go and sneak in. I'm going to be getting in that presence of God. I want to be close to whoever was talking to Moses. I'm going in to see who was talking to Moses. I want to hear. And he did this for 40 years. 40 years in the desert. He did this every single time God showed up. What I'm telling you is he waited at the door of the church. When the church doors opened, he was there. When everybody else left, he was the last one to leave. Because why? He wanted to be in the presence of God. He wanted to be there. He said, I, I, God, there's more. I want more. And he was hungry for the things of God. I mentioned Elisha to you last week. I want to mention him again. Uh, Elisha received an impartation from Elijah. And uh, there's an occasion where three kings were going to war against another king. One of the kings was the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat. And the story is found in 2 Kings 3.11. Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here where we may inquire of the Lord through him? And an officer of the king of Israel, it was Jehoshaphat, said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Now notice what Jehoshaphat said. The word of the Lord is with him. How did he know that? How did he know that? Because you see, Elijah was being served by Elisha. The Bible says, this man said, this is what we know about him. He ministered to Elijah's needs. He poured water on the man's hands, which means he also washed his feet and probably washed his clothing and probably cooked for him. You go, man, that can't be ministry. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, uh, ministry has got a lot to do with washing people's feet and washing their hands and cleaning up their mess. I mean, their clothes. Washing their clothes and doing different things. It has a lot to do with that. People think ministry is just about standing up here and preaching. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. You haven't. No, no. Spend a week with me and Pastor Cindy and you change your mind immediately. But nevertheless, nevertheless, the point, was, the point is that Elisha was Elijah's servant. 
He was associated with him. He hung with him. And so this is why uh, Jehoshaphat was able to say, the Lord is with him. He knew that if you associate and serve, it's going to come upon you. If you have something to write with, write this down. Servant before a steward. That's God's order. Servant before a steward. You see, a steward has something to take care of. You steward the anointing. You steward the finances that God gives you. You steward your marriage. You are responsible for those gifts that God has given you. But God requires servanthood before He gives you stewardship. That's what we see here. Jesus said it like this in Luke 16.10. He was faithful in just Faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Notice the word faithful, faithful. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, or sorry, in faithful um, in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now we know unrighteous mammon is talking about money and riches. But Jesus says, if you're not faithful with the finances and with the riches, which is the unjust wealth of this world, who will give you or commit to your trust the true riches? There is definitely a combination between being faithful with the finances God gives you to steward and the giftings that God gives you to steward. Many people just want to go straight to the giftings, anoint me and all this kind of stuff. First, be faithful with the money, honey. You hear me? I promise you, God uses money as a test of your faithfulness because He doesn't want to commit to your trust people's lives if you can't deal with the money properly and you mess up on their lives and they're lost for eternity. Now I'm getting to the point I want to make. Here it is, verse 12. Jesus said, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You see, Elisha didn't get what is his own until he was faithful with Elijah. Joshua did not get the leadership until he was faithful with who? Moses. You see, there has to be this connection of faithfulness to somebody else and to their ministry and serving in their ministry before God gives you your own ministry. Before God imparts an anointing to you, because the gifts and callings of God without repentance... Before he does that, he needs to find you faithful and humble enough to serve somebody else. Yeah, I didn't expect a lot of amens in the sermon, but that's... How many of you know Christine Kane? All right. Well, do you know that she was the bus driver for the youth for seven years in, for the Hillsong Church in Australia? Seven years she drove a bus. Never spoke to anybody, never spoke, never had a chance to speak. And then she was given an opportunity to speak at the youth meeting. And she spoke at the youth meeting, and it was such a success that people began to ask her to speak all over the place. And somebody said, wow, Christine Kane is an overnight success. And she said, actually, it's a seven-year success. Nothing overnight about it. We had a lady in church, and you remember Barbara. When we started our church in, uh, in South Africa, we were in the movie theater. And, uh, you know, people start to fall over, so we start to, we, we made little sheets 
I think, do we use the sheets here? I haven't noticed. Yeah, we do use them. Okay. So, uh, and so she was the sheet thrower. So when ladies fell down, she would take the sheets and she would just, you know, cover the ladies up and make sure they were all decent and everything else. But the real reason she was doing it is because she wanted to get close to me. She was hearing me pray and she was seeing the signs and the wonders and the healings. And she had a desire for that anointing. She wanted to see the sick being healed. She had such a strong desire. So she would come up real close and listen to anything that I would pray so she could hear what to do and what to say. So her desire was so strong. Of course, <clears throat> I'm the one in charge here, you know, praying for the people. Another pastor's helping me. And she's, she's serving. So I've been giving her a chance to pray for the sick. No, no, this is my job. This is what I get to do. So she went out on the streets, and every time she saw anybody with a need anywhere, any store, she'd ask to pray. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray? And you'd be surprised how many people said yes. And she began to see healings on the street. Well, what happened is she gathered a whole bunch of people around her, and she developed a team that would go to the hospitals and pray for people that were sick in the hospital. And she led the team. Started off with her throwing sheets. Just throwing sheets. So she served. <clears throat> How many of you know Reinhard Bonker? Okay. What about um, Daniel Colenda? You know Daniel? Well, Daniel served Reinhard Bonker, <clears throat> who's the greatest, uh, Reinhard Bonker is the greatest evangelist the world's ever seen. You have to correct me, Cindy, you might know, is it 86 million people? Yes. 86 million? 86 million people have come to the Lord through his ministry. Not 1 million, 86 million. <clears throat> and for 14 years before he, before he passed on, Daniel Kalenda worked alongside him. He started off in his ministry working in the mail delivery department, folding packages and envelopes. That's where he started. And 14 years later, after serving Reinhardt and going out on the, on the missionary field with him, Reinhardt eventually laid hands upon him. But you see, there was an impartation that occurred during those 14 years. He started as a servant, served the man of God. The anointing came, was upon him, and impartation occurred, and he took over the ministry when Reinhardt went to be with the Lord. But it took 14 years before he took over. Now, Pastor Jackie and I have been very blessed and honored to have had impartations from several well-known uh, ministries around the world and who carry a powerful anointing. Um, these, these impartations came by prayers, them laying hands upon us, prophesying over us. That's 100 bucks for the building fund. <laughs> We're hearing voices. <laughs> Speak, Lord, we're ready. Um, you know Oral Roberts? Yeah. yeah. Give us a picture of Oral. Um, Oral came to our church. I went and uh, picked him up at his home and uh, drove him down here. And uh, he spoke for us. And uh, we had dinner. Jackie and I had dinner with him in his hotel. And after dinner, um, he said to me, would you pray with me? And I said, Absolutely. Then he said, would you pray for me? I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is the wrong way around. I need you to pray for me. He said, we'll do that. He got on his knees by the bedside, and he asked me to pray for him. And so Jackie and I got on our knees next to him, and we prayed and laid hands on him. 
And then I said, okay, now you pray for me. And he laid his hands upon Jackie and I. And there was an impartation that came. Oh, Robert's probably the most well-known healing ministry in the world. So we're very, very thrilled. Uh, his son, Richard, after Jackie had the stroke, we went to visit uh, Richard and Robert. We actually went to visit uh, Oral in his home. And while we were there having lunch with him, uh, Richard arrived from Tulsa. So it was wonderful to, to have them both there. And they both laid uh, hands on Jackie and myself and also believed God for healing for Jackie at the time. And there was an impartation. Now, you probably don't know T.L. Osborne. How many you, you do know? Well, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Can you give us a picture of T.L.? Now, T.L. is on the left. Uh, and that's not me on the right. <laughs> Just in case you think I'm in camouflage. No, um, I'm the one taking the picture here. So uh, we were using T.L. Osborne's book in, the, in our Bible school uh, back in South Africa. And when we won our, I think it was our second trip to America, um, T.L. was at the church, we, John Osteen's church, and I spoke with them there. And he invited me to come to Tulsa. To his, to his ministry center. And so I flew out there um, to visit with him. And um, when he'd shown us around the ministry, we went in to pray in his office. And after he'd laid hands upon me and prayed, we were kneeling by a prayer bench. He told me the story that at one of his meetings, he had done the outreach and, you know, in Africa, people have to walk very long distances and it takes a long time to get to the meetings. And it takes days to get there. Well, on one occasion, uh, these guys were bringing a, a sick buddy along and they had him in a wheelbarrow. But he died en route. It took four days to get to the meeting. So he died en route. When they got there, the meeting was over. Everybody was gone. The only thing was left was the wooden stage on which the service took place where T.L. was preaching. And they were so upset. And they picked this, their dead friend up and they put him on the, the stage. And they just said, oh God, we've missed it. And he came alive. He came alive. Just from the anointing that was still on that stage. He had been dead for two days. Well, they cut a piece of that stage off and sent it to TL. And he made a prayer bench out of it. And it was on that prayer bench that he laid his hands upon me. I don't know if you ever heard of Kim Clement, Prophet Kim Clement. You know, you've been to be the Lord. So he and I grew up together in South Africa in our 19 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old, before any of us were in ministry. We were all friends, him, my brother, and all all the other people that in our group that became pastors. About six or eight of us, young people, all became pastors in ministry, and he became prophet. So uh, we had him in our church many times in South Africa, and uh, there was tremendous miracles. In fact, when he decided to go full-time, we were the first church to fund his ministry. And so we committed to funding him per month for a year. And we were at this fledgling church starting, but we knew, recognized the prophet anointing upon him. Well, in 1995, he was here in San Diego in the month of January. Uh, it was, so let's go, 95, that's 25 plus 3, 28 years ago. This weekend, he was here. And he gave me a word. 
And I want to read this word to you because it applies to you. And it impacts you. So listen carefully. He said, Henry, the Lord has said, Others did not think this, but you abandoned much to be able to take something that didn't seem greater. When I left South Africa, our church was running about five, 600 people. Already 7,500 come to the Lord, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, but God has shown you, you have seen exactly what you're going to do, and yet there are those who have stood up and criticized and even spoken e evil about your move. Would they not understand that there is a call that was heard in an hour? God says of desperation. God says that that call is now being fulfilled, whereof the time of proving has come to an end. And I will suddenly bring forth a proclamation. And there will be a manifestation of many divine things that were promised to you years ago. And God says that you saw them to a measure. But that measure is now being increased. And that measure is now being multiplied. I'm going to give you your heart's desire. And you might remember a few weeks ago when I spoke to you about my heart's desire. About the move of God and the spirit of God and healings. You might remember that. He said, I'm going to give you your heart's desire, which you wanted all along. You have seen those who have been crippled and those who are under the bondages of the spirits of infirmity in this hour. God says, I'm giving you a word that will give these people hope. Therefore, get ready for when I come upon you and when I come upon your people, it shall be far greater than any one of them has imagined. This is not a matter of imagination. It is a matter of a call that God gave you years ago. Now, why did I train you in that little town in South Africa? Was it for the African people? Nay. It was for these people in this hour. And therefore, the training was not in vain. It was not for a season. Now, God says there was a time when there was great prosperity. But now the Lord says, I'm about to show you for the many years that you have sown seed that you have given. God says, because you were, was, there was a sowing, God says, of abundance. Now there's going to be a reaping of abundance like you have never dreamed of. just wanted to share that portion of the prophetic word. If you want to praise the Lord, go ahead. If you want to praise the Lord, go ahead. It, it involves you. You understand? It involves you. I have been standing now for 23 years, 28 years. But prior to that, I was standing in South Africa. We saw signs. We saw miracles. We saw the blind eyes open. We saw cripples walk. We saw people with broken backs stand up. Literally seeing people with eye missing. And they seeing out of no, no eye. How many fingers? What's the color of my tie? God didn't put the eye back in, but they still sing. I don't care. Don't tell God how to do it. Amen. Don't tell him how to do it. I mean, I could keep you here for months just telling you about the miracles and the miracles and the miracles that occurred in the ministry in South Africa. Remember, we were getting 
50 to 75 people saved per service. Per service. To get 7,500 people saved in a nine-year period. So we had a remarkable move of God. We haven't experienced anything like that in America yet. But it has begun. It has begun. There's a breakthrough. Amen? There's a breakthrough. And you're a part of that breakthrough. And then you were present when Prophet Esther imparted to us. You were there. You were, there. You were witnesses to what happened. So let me give you a couple of more things about the impartation, the anointing of oil. Moses anointed Aaron, his brother, to be the first high priest with oil. Never been done before, poured the oil on him and put him into the position. The prophet Samuel went to um, David, you remember, to Jesse, said, listen, uh, I've come to anoint the next king of Israel. And they brought out all the boys. He said, no, it's not this one, not this one, not this one. He said, don't you have any more? He said, yeah, but he's out there. You know, he's just a little runt of a little boy. He's out there taking care of the sheep or whatever. He said, fetch him. He came out. This is the one. Anointed him with oil. Poured the oil upon him. But it was many, many years after being anointed as king before he actually stepped into the office of the king. What was he doing when God found him? He was a shepherd. Say shepherd before steward. He was shepherding the sheep. He was taking care of sheep when God found him. God can find you. God knows where you are. He can find you. Amen? What did David have to go through? This is just a side note. Even after being anointed, even though there was an impartation on him, he didn't become king straight away. He had to go through battles. He had to deal with the lions and the bears. He had to go through struggles out there. And even when he went um, to, the, to the battle that was going on with Goliath, you might remember that, his brothers rejected him. He said, go, go away. His father sent him with food. He was, he was a servant. He was carrying food. This is the king of Israel. Anointed by God. And he's carrying food to his brothers. And his brother says, why are you here? You shouldn't even be here. Get away from us. See, his anointing was not recognized by his family. Jesus said that the prophet is not recognized by his family in his own home. So don't be surprised, people, if your family thinks they're skeptical of what's happening in your life. Don't, don't, you know, they, just don't think, oh, good. well, my family should. No, no, no. They're too familiar with you. Aren't, aren't you the son of Joseph? How's it possible? Oh, you played with my kids, man. You're running around the street playing with my kids. How are you now a prophet? See, the world doesn't recognize it, but God does. And don't go by what your family says about you. Go by what God said about you. Amen? You're not answerable to your family. You're answerable to God. It's God who anointed you. It's God who called you. It's God who's sending you out in the world. Don't be saying to your family, well, you know, if you approve of me, I'll go. Rubbish. Rubbish. It's got nothing to do with your family. It's all about what God says. Now, there's this amazing story where Jesus breathed on the 11 disciples. Remember, Judas was already gone. But in John 20, verse 21... It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. 
as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Here's the interpretation. There was a sending forth with the same authority, with the same mission as Jesus. Therefore, the impartation by the Holy Spirit has to be with the power and the presence necessary to fulfill the mission God has sent you because you have been sent by Jesus as the Father sent Him. Not on a lower level, on the same level. He is the prototype of what we are supposed to be by the power and the anointing and the glory of God. Now go in that you've been commissioned. In the prophet Esther, my time is up. If you want me to quit, I will. Prophet Esther mentioned Moses and the taking off the shoes. Remember that? What was it about the shoes? In Acts chapter 7, we read in verse 30 the story as recorded in the New Testament. It says, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush um, in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, and he went over to look closely, and he heard the Lord's voice, I am, very first words he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Exodus 33 verse 5 says, God said, don't come any closer. See, God got his attention through a supernatural miracle. It was a sign. The, bur the, the bush is burning. It's on fire, but it's not burning. So he goes to look. So what happens is that he is drawn by the supernatural to the presence of God. See, God is reaching out to you through the supernatural to draw you to the presence of God. That's what's going on. Signs and wonders are occurring and your eyes are going, what's this? What is that? Because that could that be God? And He's drawing you. But as He draws you, He says, whoa, 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 whoa. don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. Why not? He said, this... Is holy ground. This is holy ground. You can't step into holy ground with your shoes on. Let's read it. Then the Lord said to him, "Take off your sandals. Place them where you're. The place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning, and I have come down." If we say, "The Lord came down." I've come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. You notice that God never mentioned that Moses killed somebody. He never mentioned that Moses messed up. 
Moses knew that he was called. How do we know that? Because he said, I thought that my brethren would recognize that I was called, that I was supposed to set you free. And then he went in his own strength and killed one of the Egyptians. And then he fled for his life. He was 40 years old. He fled for his life to the desert. For 40 years, he'd been in the desert. Guess what he was doing in the desert? Shepherd. Shepherd before steward. He ran to the desert. He ran away to hide. Hear me now. See, God has been calling you. And I'm speaking to somebody here today. God has been calling you. But you've run from the presence of God. You've run from His calling in your life. He said, no, Lord, no. That's, that's not me. I can't do that. Because you see, you're looking at the ministry in your own flesh. Because you think you have to do this by your own strength. You can't do it by your own strength. It's not possible. And so you're hiding back in the desert. You've pulled back. In fact, your life has become a desert. Because you see, God is missing out of, you're missing the call of God in your life. So he says to him, take off your shoes. See, God is calling him into his presence. But he says, wait a minute, there's something you've got to get rid of. What, is that, what does that shoe represent? Well, it represents Moses' past life. Everything he was in Egypt and everything he was in the desert. That's his old life. You have to lay down your own life. You're old to step into my life that I have for you. Lay it down. Get rid of it. You see, sandals were for protection. Shepherds wore them for protection from stones, from rocks, from thorns, from snakes, from scorpions. Everything that was there that could damage them, they had sandals to protect them. It was a man-made device to protect them. So what he had to do, he had to take off his sandals and it made him vulnerable. Now you've got to trust God and not yourself. Not your own strength, not your own mind, not the way you think you can figure it out. You have to trust somebody else. God. I've just got two names given to me. I've got Roger and Russell. Is there a Roger or Russell in the church today? If there's not, do you know a Roger or a Russell? Your uncle? Your dad's brother? Anybody else? Your brother. What's his name? Russell. The back? Your brother's Roger. Okay, so this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing both of these names that God has spoken to you and has told you to come to Him to lay your life down and to begin to serve Him, to pick up the cross and to follow Him. You've got to lay your life down. God is calling you. But you're running from Him. You run from Him. And your life has entered into a desert. That's where you are right now. You're in a desert. You've got to let go of your way of thinking, and you've got to start trusting God. Let go. 
God doesn't have to speak to you again. Once he's spoken to you once, he doesn't have to speak to you again. You know, if I was Israel, I would be in church today. If God called me by name like that, like he did with Esther, and the word was so prophetically accurate, and you saw the video, I would be in church. You see, when we saw the one-minute video that Esther prophesied about Pastor Cindy and myself and the promised church and the sign, immediately I said, that's God. It has to be God. She could not know us from, from Spain. And I changed my life and my mind, and so did Cindy. And we said, revival is here. God has called us. He said he's going to visit us. And we started receiving offerings. We started believing God. This is going to happen because God has spoken it out. People, God spoke to you when Esther was here. She spoke to you. What are you going to do about it? Can we have the, the music team that's left here? Up. I want us to do Holy Ground. I was so shocked when, I, when you did that song. So shocked. But God is calling us into His intimate presence. And I'm asking you, what will you lay aside? What is hindering you? Remember this, God wanted to contact Moses. He wanted to touch Moses, but his shoes were stopping the touch. His shoes were divine. His shoes were separating. God was calling Moses and commissioning him for his ministry. And there was an impartation that occurred. There was the fire of God. And it was the very first time the fire of God is seen. And it was to mark Moses' ministry and life thereafter. He constantly was seeing the fire of God. For 40 years, had the fire of God above him during the night. He was called up Mount Sinai for the law. 40 days, the fire of God came upon the mountain. Moses was to experience as an ongoing part of his ministry that sign and that wonder that occurred. God began with a little fire in a little bush and it exploded into his life and ministry but he had to obey God called him take off your shoes what is stopping you what is hindering you can you have the lights down if God is speaking to you God has spoken to you I'm going to ask you to do something really strange I'm going to ask you to symbolically do something. I'm going to ask you to take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Some of you are going, ah. And some are going, oh. Whether it's ah or oh, it doesn't matter. God is in the house. I'm asking you to do something in the natural that will represent something in the spirit. Can you see where I'm going? Let that be a sign to God. Lord, I'm laying down anything that's hindering, 
Anything that's separating, not going to let it happen. We're going to sing the song, Standing on Holy Ground, and, and, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to pray. And if you are laying down your old life and your old ways and anything that's hindering you from stepping into the new commission that God has got for you, the fulfillment of the plan, if, you, if you're doing that with all sincerity, then you stand during the song and let God be God in your life. Some of you, God is going to call you out of your seat and bring you to the altar. Not all of you, some of you. Maybe there's not a full commitment that you have made to God with your life, and that's necessary to be made now. Maybe you've had a shallow walk with God and it's time for you to go deeper. Maybe, maybe God is saying, I put my finger on you for ministry. And you're going to take that call. And if that's you and you need to come to the altar, that's fine. Do what the Lord tells you to do. But right now, right here, Lord, we lay down every hindrance. Anything that might have interfered with our walk with you and the calling and the commission. You have begun a new thing in us. We're laying down the past. We let it go of everything that we knew. Letting go of Egypt in our life. We're coming out of the desert. We're coming out of the desert. For you're commissioning us to go and set people free. As you sent Moses to set the people free. You're sending us to set people free from their Egypt. And you're using us. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Let's sing. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing. We are standing. Jesus.
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for a visitation, a divine visitation. Thank you for healing broken hearts. Thank you for meeting needs today. Thank you for the calling to ministry, calling to be servants. Thank you, Lord, that folks are going to step up. They're going to volunteer, Lord, to serve wherever they can, in children's church, in nursery whether it's ushers or the sound booth, it doesn't matter. Lord, here we are, use us. We are willing to be shepherds that we, might sh that we might steward your anointing and calling. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is upon your people. You love them. You want them whole and healed, living a, living a life of peace, a life of prosperity, a life of joy and abundance in you. Jesus name I prophesy Lord that those words that were given to me have been given to your body your tribe the promised church and we will see it fulfilled in our, in our eyes in our time 
we will see the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the commissioning. We will see the great resources released and the signs of miracle healings. Miracle healings beyond anything we've ever seen before in our lifetime. And Lord, let it begin with me. Begin in my family. Touch us, Lord. As we go forth from this place, your anointing and the presence is upon us, Lord. And we look forward to next Sunday as Pastor Cindy shares. And we go deeper with you to a greater level of glory. Lord, take us higher like wings of eagles. Give us the mouthpiece to speak to our families and friends. The boldness and the courage to know you're with us. And when the time comes, we'll speak words of life and truth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, it was good to be in church, wasn't it? Church will never be the same. Church will never be the same. I get so excited about church, about coming to church. More excited than I've ever been. I'm so excited to come. Jackie wakes up every morning. She says, is it Sunday? Is it Sunday? I want to go to church. How many of you feel the same way? Well, take the church with you, folks. Have a wonderful life group meeting this week, and we'll have church again on Sunday. Amen? Woo! I'm excited. Filled with His presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.